is intriguing. What would happen if Samson was a hairdresser? Let's see what he has to say. How are we going, church? Um, it is also a bit misleading because we've moved on from that a little bit, but um, <laughs> that's how we roll. Right, so before we begin, I just want to um, welcome people here. You know, so it's good to be here. It's good to, um, to explore this whole, the call in your life. Now, does anyone here think there isn't a call in their life? That's good because if you did, you were wrong. So we'll get that out of the way right now because... We serve a God who puts a call on all our lives, and we're going to explore that today, unpack it, see what some biblical, fe- biblical people did, and I'll kind of share a bit about my life. We're going to, um, fun fact, we're going to find out something that um, I do that bugs Nikki to no end, and if you could change it, she would, so that's a wee hook to keep you interested, because <laughs> later on you'll get it, and you'll be like, oh yeah, probably makes sense, or it doesn't, but either way. So um, in the pre-meeting today, we... Um, Someone, well, actually, I think I shared, but it's like, our God is bigger than we can imagine. If we don't think that, then he is. If you put him in a box, that box is too small. I put God in the box, that box is too small. We cannot picture how big God is. Our brains cannot comprehend. But however big we think he is, we are wrong. Now, that is a fundamental to what we're going to build on because when we have a call in our life, God is part of that, and he is bigger than we are. So we need to kind of grasp that, that God is bigger than we are. So um, yeah, now, first of all, now when I say call, there's, there's two types of call in your life. You know, the, Jesus said, you know, that the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, and mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. You know, that is just how we're called to live. What I am talking about when I say call is a personal call on each one of your lives. The one thing that God crafted and created you to do. For Paul, it's preaching and being a pastor. That's obvious. He knows it. He lives it. It's easy. For some of us, we may not be in that place of knowing exactly what that is. And so sometimes we don't make sense. You know, sometimes our skill sets, are, they don't, until we know what the call is, they don't actually all marry up together. And you're like, well, why am I the way I am? But as soon as you, as soon as you find that call, it makes sense. I was blessed enough this year to finally, finally get an answer to what my call was, and we'll get into that a bit later, but when it did, everything made sense. All the, the weird bits of me that were like, oh, this doesn't fit with this, all of a sudden, it just, it was perfect. And so know that when I talk about call, I'm talking about a personal call on your life that God has placed for you. Right, so um, we're going to look at two people in the Bible, mainly, there's a few more, but two main ones. So the first one is obviously Samson. Now, this is where I started off, and I love how God kind of changes things because he was going to be the hero of my story and it was going to be all on him. And as I delved down and God spoke to me, I was like, ooh. um, Yeah, it changed, and that's what God does. So um, we'll go into the life of Samson. We'll put it up there. So this is pretty much a Matt's paraphrasing of the life of Samson. So effectively what happened was an angel came and appeared to Samson's mother and said, you will have a son. Now, at the time, she was considered barren, and so she couldn't have kids. And then it's like, no, you're having kids. He will be a mighty man of God. He will be powerful, and he will be a savior of Israel. So then what happened was he was um, called to be set apart as a Nazarene. 
Nazarene? Nazarite, apologies. So Nazarites, they were people who, there were two types. There was the ones who, who made a vow and said, for this month I'll be a Nazarite. Nazarite. So they were the people who, what they did was, they would say, I will not cut my hair, I will not eat these foods, I will not drink, I will not do these things. They, they, they were people who, who gave up a, a part of their um, life to give glory to God. Now, there are a few cases where people were permanent Nazarites. So they were people who, for their whole life, were called into this. Now, Samson, before birth, was one of these people. He was called to always be a Nazarite. And so he was, yeah, so that was his thing. He was forbidden from drinking, forbidden from cutting his hair, obviously. That's a big one. Now, he wasn't supposed to touch um, dead um, any corpses, he, that wasn't allowed under his, um, his commitment, which is an interesting one given the life he lived. So um, he was obviously anointed as the protector and deliverer of Israel. Um, he couldn't sing. There's a bit there where he tries to sing a song. It's horrific. Um, he wasn't a hairdresser. He made poor life choices, including his wife. I mean, that's an obvious one. Uh, wasn't a great judge of character. He kept telling his wife stuff. It kept happening, and he'd never click that, hey, maybe there's a thing here. Eventually, his wife found out how to take his powers away. She was trying to do that. Eventually, he lost his powers. His hair was cut, and he was, he, was put into, he was put into captivity. And at the end, the Lord gave him one last, like the Lord gave him back his power so that he could fulfill his destiny. But it's fair to say his life was chaotic. Now, um... We'll, we'll switch over to the next person in our um, thing. Is that's of Gideon? Oh, sorry. Now there couldn't be a more differing person for these two. They're both in Judges, quite close to each other, but you cannot get polar opposites. Now Samson was a man who of strength and power, who was born and knew it. Gideon was the least of the least. His family was the least in the tribes of Israel, and he was the least in his family. You don't get any further than that. He was a man who God came to him and said, hey, I'm going to use you to deliver the people of Israel. I'm going to give you victory and safety. Now, that's what he actually said to Gideon, victory and safety. So Gideon knew that God was on him. Then what happened is Gideon gave a food offering to the Lord. The Lord came down in fire and burnt it up. And Gideon's like, oh, actually, this might be real. At this point, he's like, actually, I've been talking to God, but the fire from heaven was the thing that I clicked. He's like, okay, this is real. So he, he broke down an altar to Baal, built an altar to the Lord. There were some internal fractions with the people who weren't happy about that. And um, then as we go on, the Lord says, right, it's go time. And at this point, he's hiding in a, a wine press because the people at that time who were moving against Israel had moved into the valley and were about to attack, and he was scared. And so he obviously thought, oh, Oh, you sure, God? Did the whole fleece thing. Thought, oh, yeah, maybe, maybe not. And eventually he's like, righty up, it's happening. So he, he got a big army, and God's like, too big. You know, whittle it down. Tell the ones who are afraid to leave. That's simple. And then he's like, righty up, 12,000, still too many. Righty up, said, take them down to the river, and I am going to separate them. So what he did was, he, God said, tell them to drink. Now, the people who got down on all fours and lapped like a dog, they were the ones sent home. Now, the mind-blowing thing here 
is that 300 are left. So out of 12,000 people, 11,700 got down on their legs and lapped like a dog. That blew my mind. Now, I'm a cup drinker. I don't know if we have many dog drinkers out there, but <laughs> you know what I mean? You, you get it where I'm coming from. It's like, what? how is that the demon? That's a more miracle of God that there were that many people. So I was like, this is where we come from. So then Gideon is down to 300 men, and then God's like, you know what? You're not going to just attack. You're going to confuse. And so what he did was they put lamps underneath um, jar of clay, jars of clay. They snuck into position. They broke it. They made loud noises. And the Lord had victory because he confused the, um, the enemies, and they slaughtered themselves. Because that is the God we serve who doesn't work in those ways, and he kept, God, he kept Gideon safe, and he gave him victory. So the Lord we serve is a God who, when we listen to him, when we follow that call, he delivers. So, um, yeah, so we have people in this church already who have, have embraced their, um, their calling on their life. You know, we've got, I mentioned Pastor Paul, but there's Pastor Seb. He came all the way from England to be our youth pastor. Pastor Tara, who's out the back, you know, she shared earlier about the call on her life. And, you know, these are, these are people moving in that, in that gifting. And so we're going to start to unpack that. There's also other people, though, you know. There's, there's the axe ministry. You know, Anna, Anna had a call in her life for that. It was you, wasn't it, Anna? Yes, it was. I felt right. And, you know, she was like, the Lord is calling this. And then she, she spoke it forward. You know, she birthed it. And that, that is saying so much, you know, so much fruit now. You know, people are being changed. And that's what it's all about. And so um, there's also, we had the missions team up here a couple of weeks ago. Now, it says short-term missions, but, I, you know, you listen to those people talk. There's nothing short about it. You know, they are missionaries. They're just waiting to go back. You know, Steve, what you said was, you know, there's something on your life, mate, and I don't think anyone will deny that, and I don't know what it is. I don't want to speak into that, but I know the Lord's doing something, and, yeah, it's, it, it really touched me. So it's like, you know, these are people in our midst who have who've grasped a little bit about what it is for the call in their life. And I bet you, when they got that, when they accepted that, it started to make sense. Some of the bits in their life that were like, hey, this, is, this isn't quite right, all of a sudden, it made sense. And so, yeah, that's what we're here to do today, is to work on each and every one of you and say, hey, how can we, how can we help you guys to, to make sense of yourself, to make that call of God real in your heart, and so that we can actually go out and be a church that moves in the, the true calling of God. Now, um, yeah, there's, there's two verses that kind of, um, I've said before, if you don't think there's a call in your life, you're wrong. There's two verses I, I'll put up to kind of back that up. One is 2 Timothy 1.9. He has saved us and called us into a holy life, not because of anything we have done, but because of his own purpose and grace. It's got called in the thing. It's pretty simple. And the second is go into the world and preach the gospel to all creation. That's Mark 16, 15. That was the Great Commission. Now, that isn't a call in your life. That is a call on your life. The only, the only real thing to work out is how do we achieve the Great Commission? You know, any call you have in your life will be about fulfilling that goal. How do we touch people? How do we bring people to know our Savior and how do we bring God's glory to this earth? And if your call isn't that, it's not your call. 
because that is the goal we serve. Now, um, if we go back to... Um, if we go back and look at the two people who we talked about, Gideon and Samson, one of them was a man who always had a call in his life. You know, from birth, he would have known that this is my call. This is what the Lord has called me to do. I know, I know he could probably lift up like, you know, an ox cart at the age of three, you know. There was no doubt in his life that this was his call. And then we look at the other guy, Gideon. The, his life was... I don't know. You know, he was fearful. He was timid. He wasn't a man who screamed, I'm going to fight for the battles of Israel and I'm going to win. He was a man who said, uh, is this wine press a good enough hiding place? You know, that is the man we're dealing with. And if I'm looking at myself, I know I'm more on one side than the other and I'm probably more of a Gideon than a Samson. No, no comments to my strengths, but uh, you're all thinking it. I know. So... Um, if you're sitting here today and you're thinking, hey, I don't have a call in my life or I haven't heard the call in my life, there are two possibilities, only two, because the Bible's clear that we have it. It's either A, you're not listening, or B, it hasn't come yet. Now, I am I'm the king of not listening. You know, I, that, that's my two. And um, I remember I was about 16 when, looking back now, I, I first got the call in my life. You know, I was sitting at um, the old Majestic House, for those old enough to remember, you know, and we're sitting at a Get Smart, also for those old enough to remember. And um, I, was, I was sitting there, and there was a preacher at the front, and he was going on. I couldn't tell you what he was preaching about. I imagine it was about loving Jesus or something. But the thing that taught me was at the end, he stopped and said, you know what, there are people in this auditorium who are going to do what I do. There are people in this auditorium who are going to stand up on stage and preach the word of God. And my heart was like, yes, this is me. And he said, and I am going to go out and I'm going to point to the people and they will be ordained to be preachers of the Lord. And I thought, it's finally happening. You know, something in my spirit really just welled up and my heart started pounding and he started to walk and he was like, you. And he goes, and you. And then he walked up the aisle and he was kind of walking straight towards me. And last second, he said, you, and pointed to someone two aisles in front of me. Because of course he did. You know, sometimes it's not that easy. And you know what? My heart dropped. My heart was like, oh. But also, like, there was a wave of relief. Because whilst I desperately wanted this to be a thing, it was also, you know, the enormity of what it would have been washed over me. You know, I knew who I was. I knew I was a failing teenager who could barely get out of bed in the morning, let alone, you know, be a man who would preach to thousands or whatever God called me to do. That wasn't who I was going to be. I was just struggling through life. And then the thought of that God could see me and use me scared me. And so there was more relief than there was disappointment because I knew that if I was pointed at, I was destined to failure because... At the time, I didn't understand the relationship that the God we serve is the one who does things through us. It is not me working in my own strength. And so, yeah, I remember thinking, oh, it was such a good thing that he hadn't picked me. And um, looking back now, I'm like, I see that. 
I should have, you know, it was still my call. And I've missed so much opportunity. You know, now 40, I've finally got it. 41, but, you know, in my early 40s, I finally got that call that I could have had in my teens. You know, there's all these years that, that have been missed because I didn't grasp what it is that God was wanting to do with me. You know, and all these parts of me that didn't make sense would have made sense if I truly grasped who God was and what he wanted to do with me. Now, the thing is, when we feel, when you get that feeling of it's too much, that's a call from God. If you don't feel like it's too much, it is not a call from God because, once again, we serve a God who is bigger than we think, bigger than we know, bigger than we can imagine. That is the God we serve. We don't serve a God who thinks, oh, Bradley, you can just, you know, do something small. You can just, you're good with computer stuff. You do computer stuff. You know, that's not a God we serve. We serve a God who says, Bradley, you're good with computer stuff. Go fly for math. You know, something that's so big to dream that it seems impossible. Now, I still believe that's going to happen. I believe in your life that is going to happen because the Lord has placed a call in your life. So it's like things like that. The, you know, if our call is too small and the call can be done by ourselves, it's not a call. Because the God we serve is a God who draws us to bigger things, not to the same things. And um, I always think, um, you know, when I'm thinking about, you know, the calls, like, I would take it back to Jesus. You know, Jesus is always the right answer in these scenarios. But it's like, what did Jesus do? You know, there was always that, what would Jesus do? But I'm like, what did he do? You know, he was a man who, and he was a man, he gave up all that made him powerful. He gave up everything that made him who he was to come to earth as a human. Now, in doing that, he then did amazing things, but not because he was a son of God, but because he got the power from God. And so he led us how to do things. He had a call in his life. I think we all can, if anyone doesn't know that, I'm going to talk to you later because Jesus had a call in his life. It was the most amazing call anyone could do, but he did it as a human. He did it like you and I. He didn't do it as some spiritual being who came down, kept his power, and just kind of let God work when he did. He was a man who, in the midst of being human, found a way to make God, glorify God, not sin, and save us all, which is mind-blowing. So, um, yeah, we're not called to be alone. We're called to partner with God. Now, if we look back at Samson, what did he do? He was a man who, from day one, knew he was, you know, he knew what he was. He knew his power. And so, for me, I think, well, if he knew that, he's partnering with God. He's getting stuff done. That wasn't the case. You know, with Samson, everything he did was kind of apart from what he should have been doing. You know, he wasn't a man who partnered with God. He was a man who was quick to anger. He was a man who, who didn't follow traditions. He was a man who even shunned the things that God had set him apart to do. He would just, you know, and he was supposed to be the saviour of Israel, and yet he would just go to parties. He would just, you know, kill people for losing a bet. You know, he was not a, a glorious God-filled man. And yet you look at Gideon, a man who, who on the, um, he's, he's less, he's not anything, but when God said go, after some persuading, he said, here I am, Lord, let's do it. And when God whittled him down, that point he didn't query. He said, nah, nah, you're in this. You give me 300, you give me 100, I'm going. And so when we think, oh, I wish I was that person who had the natural skills, who, who can just do things, that's not always best. 
Because when we have the skills, we're so tempted to be like, I'm doing this in my own strength. You know, I'm going to do this because this is who I am. This is what I do. Like, I play music, so I can easily be like, well, I, I do this because it's easy, you know. But that's not how we do things. We should be looking to where God's moving us into. And it was interesting because I was out at Easter camp last weekend, yes, and I was, um, I was chatting to one of my mates out there, and he was, he was, re- he was reminding me of some of I used to give some preaching and um, evening services, and he was like, yeah, you weren't great. So I'm like, no, I wasn't. But the reality was, hopefully I'm better now, but the reality is then I was just working in my strength, whereas now I'm like a duck paddling underwater, and God is my strength. You know, God <clears throat> is allowing me to be more because of who he is. Are you getting that, church? Are you getting it that when you have a call, it is God that is doing it? Yeah, and it doesn't matter if I don't feel enough, God is enough. Now, um, it can be interesting because when you feel like God's not enough, what's our natural inclination? Mine is to be like, oh, well, how can I get people to help me? But you know what? A call is a personal thing between you and God. Sometimes a couple may be called like, to missions or to, to another field, but I mean, if I, I imagine if I talk to Jan and um, Andrew, they'd both be like, we were called separately, but together. Would that be a fair statement? Because God is a personal God who calls us, and if he wants two people to go, they'll both get called. Now, there's an example in the Bible of, um, of a, someone we would call a, a great and mighty man of God who, when God was called, didn't believe, didn't believe he was enough. And that man was Moses. You know, Moses was a man who, who God <laughs> stood beside him and said, we are going to go to Pharaoh, and we are going to free our people. And you know what Moses did? He said, but, but I don't speak good. You know, and it's like, so that was his first thing of not, yes, God, together we'll do this, but I'm not enough. And then God's like, okay, that's fine. You can have Aaron. You know, Aaron can speak on your behalf. He's your brother. It's all good. What's the worst that could happen? And he even justified it by saying to Pharaoh, I've placed you so far above him that Aaron is like your prophet. That is how far above that's how God saw the situation. Of course, Moses saw it differently. But as that played out, we see that going forward, there's a whole golden calf thing. Now, Aaron was heavily involved in that. You know, there's, there's lots of troubles that happened that Aaron was playing a part in. Now, he was a godly man who was a bit confused, but we see that in that call between Moses and God, someone else was brought in because Moses didn't have the faith. But... Who here thinks that Moses, if God, if Moses said, yep, let's go, let's send it, that God wouldn't have been like stepped up and done the business? Now, of course we don't, because that's the God we serve. But as soon as we start to doubt, as soon as we start to think that what's on our life isn't enough, that is when we, we need other people to come in. That's when we share our thing, and that's when it get, uh, share our call. And when our call is shared, it is diluted, because it's not for other people. It's for them. And so we need, to, we need to own that when God calls us to something, he knows. Once again, he built us. We are fearfully and wonderfully made. You know, the Lord knows us. And so when he calls us, it makes sense. Are you getting what I'm saying, church? Hopefully I'm making sense. If I'm not, then, um, well, I'm not. You can talk to me later. <laughs> now, um, 
I want to go back to my own experience because, you know, I, sitting in that, um, sitting in that auditorium, when the Lord didn't point me out, didn't say, it's you, it's now, you know, it's like I, I felt that relief. And I felt that, that burden come off me because of the fear of what if he did. But there's also, there's also the thing of, oh, well, well what do I do now? What, what do I do? Because so, some people, we talked about people aren't listening, but some people haven't yet got their call. Now, what do those people do? Now, there's two pretty good examples in the Bible that we can kind of look at. The first one is um, Jesus. Always a good one. Always the right answer. We joke, I heard about um, Sunday school. It's like, you know, teacher was at the front of the class being like, now kids, what animal has a big bushy tail? And the kids are like, oh, I don't know. And, then, and has, you know, pointy ears and collects nuts for winter. And little Noah puts his hand up and says, I know the answer is Jesus, but it sure sounds like a squirrel to me. <laughs> Sorry. I know I'm a dad. I'm allowed to. So... That's the thing. It's like Jesus is the best answer. Now, what did Jesus do? Because the Bible says Jesus was called, he was born, and then there's a big gap where we don't really know much about what he did. But what we do know is that he spent time learning the word. You know, when he was, when he, he was separated from his parents and they found him, where was he? He was 12 years of old, mind you. He was in the, the temple you know, he was preaching, he was teaching, and he was sharing. And the people there were amazed because he had spent time. It wasn't that he just knew. It's because he had spent time learning what it was that he needed to know so that when he was older, he could speak to the devil, quote scriptures, and know them in his heart. You know, he was waiting. He wasn't just waiting for something to happen. He was preparing for when that thing would happen. And so if you're sitting here today and like, hey, I haven't got my call, that's not, a, that's not a reason just to relax and wait. It's a reason to prepare. It's a reason to read your scriptures, to pray, to, to fast, to really drill down to who our God is because what he's doing is he's building that relationship up and chances are it's because you need a big relationship for what's going to happen. So when you don't know, it's not because God's withholding it, it's because something big's happening. And the other one is a man named Ananias. I know what you're thinking. If I start talking about a field, you guys are going out of left field. But no, there's, there's actually three Ananias in the Bible, and I'm talking about the second one, I think, or the third. Either way, this is a man who, who God said, hey, you need to go talk to a man called Saul. Now, that is a massive call. He's, he's only got like two or three lines in the Bible, but what pretty much what happens is God says, hey, this man Saul. I've made him blind. You need to go. You need to heal him, and you need to convert him and like, you know, help him on his journey for a little bit. Now, that is mind-blowing because Ananias knew who Saul was. The Bible is very clear that he said to God, hey, you're sure? This guy's persecuting you. You know, this is a man who's, who's putting us down, who's trying to end what you created. And, you know, God's like, no, no, no. I am sure because this is a man I have set apart and he will suffer to bring the Bible, to bring the Scriptures to the Gentiles and to all the people and all the people of Israel. You know, this is a man, and it'll happen because a man named Ananias, who gets two or three lines in the Bible, said, "Lord, here I am. Use me." And when God said, "Hey, you go to what seems like death or enslavement," because you know he had letters from the Jewish synagogues to put people down to you know suppress them any way possible. 
Ananias said, hey, you know what, Lord? If you call me, I will go. And so that doesn't just happen, you know? That doesn't just happen one day when you're just like reading your Bible and God says, hey, go, go do this. If, you're not, if your faith isn't strong, if you're not grounded in who that God is, you're saying no. I'm saying no because in my spirit, it doesn't work. But when God is part of it, when God is part of that, then you go and we all know what Saul, who turned into Paul, kind of did. You know, He did amazing things. He, you know, he wrote two-thirds of the... Well, one third of the, two thirds of the New Testament, probably. Like he wrote a lot of books, you know. A lot of what we preach and a lot of what we, we kind of know about Jesus and the Scriptures, we come from Paul. So it's like, and that was all because one person who, who wasn't, he wasn't considered great by many people, did one thing and it changed the world. So that kind of takes me on. It's like you know, there are no small parts in the kingdom of God. There just aren't. You know, we are a body. The, the Bible's pretty clear that we are the body of Christ. Now, if you're a liver or a little toe or, you know, some, some other organ that may not seem important, it's like, you know what, you are still important because God has called you to that. Now, I was, at, um, I was blessed enough to be at Easter camp last weekend. And as I was out there, thanks, I got my voice back from yelling at kids. But um, as I was out there, you know, I was, I was lucky enough, one of my jobs just to kind of sit behind stage at the meetings, make sure nothing caught fire. It was a great job. But um, nothing did. I, I did my job well. So, but um, the, as I was, I was kind of sitting there, and the Lord kind of spoke to me. And I could see, like, the MCs up there, and they were hyping everyone off, and they were, kids were having a great time. And then I could see the band get off and they were just going off and everyone was having a great time. And then the preachers got up and they were nailing it. They were just out the park. It was just like, wow. And I thought, oh. But then, then the Lord drew my attention away. And it's like, you see, behind the stage, there's, there's sound guys and they're scuttling around doing their thing and there's tech guys. And then on the radio, you're hearing all the sight guys and the, the guys cleaning callers. You know, these people in the background that these kids never see. You know, there's two and a half thousand kids, campers there. They're not seeing all this. They're seeing these people and saying, this is camp. They don't see that actually for this to happen, for this whole thing to happen. There are people they will never meet. There are people that they may not, they may not even know exist who are spending 18 hours a day to make sure that they can meet Jesus, that they can do that. So if you think you're, whatever you're called to is small, it is not. If, you, if someone else has to stand on your shoulders to proclaim the word of God, your shoulders give them a standing point. You know, it's not, there is no small part. So please don't think that, oh, I've only got this. What breaks my heart is that I am called to the front. I would love to be at the back and have one of these small parts because I would hate people to think, because I'm up here, I'm any different. I am less than any, most people out here, I assure you. It's just that the Lord has called me to somewhere, and so I stand here in that, not in me. And so, uh, yeah. So, um, yeah, and apologies. So, yeah, as we, as we look at these people, it's like, you know, these are people who are following the call of God in their lives. What, what actually blows my mind is that of all the sight guys, the guys who, like, spend about a week and a half, two weeks before camp, all their free time, plus taking time off work during camp and after camp, packing down. These are all doing it for pretty much for nothing. And camp can't run without them. But I think about 80% of them don't know Jesus. 
that is astounding. And I, I talk to them and I say, hey, why do you do this? And they're like, I don't know, but it's like, like we just love being here. We love being part of it. And that shows how big our God is that they don't yet know Jesus and yet the call in their life they understand. These are servants who are called to help, who are called to do this so that we can run a camp where people can know Jesus and we serve a God who can use non-Christians to do that very thing. And when you talk to them, they're called. They just don't know it yet. And so we serve a God that big. And so it's, like, it's quite amazing, but that is, that is the God we serve. And um, right, so we've been sitting a while. I was going to time it, but it's been a while. So I thought... I did, I did tease earlier that you're going to find out a trait of mine that, that Nikki finds she would change if she could. Now, you've been a while, so we'll, we'll do a wee exercise. We'll do a, a hands-up, the shoe game. We won't take shoes off because they could smell. And Nikki, you can't answer because I suspect you'll know the answer. So there are two, there are two th- I'll give you two options and you can pick one or the other. So the first option is I love music. And all I do is pester Nikki with new songs I've found. I try and play music. I play her a song I'm working on. I just, I do that all the time. It's like when she's trying to change Gracie, I'm in there like, Nikki, do this. You know, it's my life. The other option is I don't like music at all. Can't stand it. Never listen to it. (laughs) I couldn't think of anything worse. Who thinks it's option one? Who thinks it's option two? Okay, there are people who know me and people who don't. <laughs> it's actually option two. Now, this is weird, and I'll, I'll explain how weird in a second, like, because the call in your life doesn't make sense until it does. I said that earlier, and for so long, this part of my life hasn't made sense. You know, I, I don't get music. I, I don't get how people listen to it. It just doesn't do anything for me. Like, Paul's like, oh, I was listening to music, and I was going, and it was great. I'm like, but you don't have to. You know, that, that's just me. Like, I'm even the guy who's like, oh, if we just didn't play music at the front of church, it'd be okay. You know, I, I would, music just doesn't do anything in my life. And yet, as you know, I play music. I play it well. I'm modest, but you know, it's like, I do. Because the Lord has blessed me in that. Now, I was unpacking this because I was talking to someone about this a while ago. I'm Sophie um, Norman, who's not here today. We're at Young, oh no, I do see that. We're at um, William's wedding, and she's like, Well, should you be in band? And it was like an interesting point because I'd never thought about it. And I was like, Actually, should I be in band? Like, is it, is it something that I should actually still do? Generally, Anna, the answer is yes, so you can, yeah, you're still swing. But as I was unpacking it, I'm like, How can, how can I do something that, that has no draw to me, how it has no appeal? And it's like, because that's not what, sorry, when I understood my call, it made sense. So my call is to bring people into relationship with God, to connect people with God. That is what God has called upon my life. Now, the how is a, a work in progress, but one of those things is through worship. You know, and I love, the one part of music I love is stand back here in the background. I'd be behind the curtain if I could. Well, this, feel, this feels right. And as I'm standing here watching, and I see people connecting with God, and my spirit just lifts. It's not the playing music, it is the connecting with God that really just gives me that, that my spirit just sings, you know? It's like, because that is what I'm called to do. My calling is to help people connect with God. And if playing music does that, 
then so be it. But for so long, I was back there, and I would get a, I would love playing on Sunday mornings, but I don't play at home. Noah's probably seen me play the guitar twice in his whole life. I don't listen to music. I only listen to music when I'm learning a song, and even then it's begrudgingly for like, until I've got it, and then I'm like, okay, I've got it. It, it, it's weird. But once again, the call of God on my life is such that it makes sense because he has called me to connect people with God and this is a tool that I can do that. So there might be things in your life that right now you're like, I don't fit. And that's why I said before, there are parts of my life that's thinking I don't fit and this is a big one. But when I understood my call, when I really in my core got it of what God was calling me into, all of a sudden it clicked. All of a sudden, the things that don't make sense make sense, you know. The things in your life that you think, why am I like this? They just make sense. And that is the God we serve. And, you know, and then there's the preaching element. As I said earlier, it's like, I felt in my soul that I was to do this, but I was scared. And then it wasn't until recently that God kind of said, no, no, this is what we need to do. We're unpacking this. We're going forward. And I don't know where it's going to go. I don't know if it's going to be me in front of this many people and that's it. I don't know if it's going to be me in front of a thousand. I'll do it in front of one. I don't really care because the numbers are irrelevant. God is relevant, you know, and he calls me to do this. I do this, you know, and he calls you to do your thing. That is what you should do because when you're in that place, when you're following God and you're surrendered, that is when you can do things that you could not imagine because once again, we serve a God who is bigger than we can imagine And he wants to partner with us, partner with us to do things. He doesn't need to. He can just do things. He makes donkeys talk. You know, we we are not the critical part of the process, but he said, no, you are my people. I will work through you to achieve my will on earth. And so that is why we have a call. That is why your call is important. And that is why we need to actually, um, to understand your call. And so, um, sorry, I've just gone through a lot of stuff. Yeah, so we'll quickly go back to um, we'll kick them back to Samson and to the um, Samson and Gideon, and you know you see how they they differed. But in the end, it's quite interesting because Gideon he accepted early on. He's like, you know what? I see the fleece. Uh, you know, fleeces are always dewy. Do it again. Yep. After after he got it out of the way, he was like, right, it's go time. Samson, he kind of stepped away from everything God has said, and he ended up, what happened? With all his strength, he was captured. He was a prisoner. But at the end, what did he do? Does anyone know the story? He called out to God and asked for one more time. He's like, one more time, Lord, give me strength. And what did the Lord do? When he finally submitted, the Lord gave him back his strength. And in that one act, he managed to push over the building he was in. And in doing so, the Bible says he killed more people, more of the enemy, then he had it while he was alive. So in that one act of submission, God did more with him than his whole time on earth. Now you think, what would have happened if from day one he had submitted? What would he be then? Would he be more of a hero in the story than the villain? And it's like, once again, let's go back to Jesus. He got a call in his life. An angel came to his mom and said, hey, you know, you're going to have a son. He's going to be special. It's seeming quite similar, isn't it, you know? God's going to bless him, what's again similar, but the difference being Jesus knew his call and Jesus worked towards what was happening where Samson says, I'm enough. And when you're trying to do it in yourself, you are not enough. 
you are just not. Because once again, if you think your call is something you can do by yourself, it is not. And yet Gideon, the least of the least, hiding from the enemy, when God came to him, he said, you know what? I'm not enough. God is enough. And so what happened there is he said, righty let's go. Because it doesn't matter if there's one, two, ten, fifty of you, you know, we will defeat the enemy because God is with us. So um, I'll get the band up as I um, come to landing. And so it's like, there's kind of a few points here. If you know your call, but you don't know how to do it, you know, we're opening up the front. Because this is really a fundamental of Christianity. We've talked about our gifts, you know, for the last wee while, but this is kind of how they all work. This is the thing that brings them together. This is how we, as individuals, we're called to serve God. And if you have that call, we don't know how, we'd love you to come forward. I'd love to pray with you, and hopefully we can give you some revelation. If you don't know your call yet, once again, come forward, because we want to pray with you. We are desperate to see you move into that, because I want to see a church where we're all living in our call. You know, who hands up who wants to see that? Because that is a church that changes the whole world. Not just a community, not just a, you know, a, a country, but the world. Where, where would be a church that people came to? Because if God moved like that here, where would be like a Pensacola? Where would be like anything else? Because the God we serve is that big. And so we want as a, well, I want, but I imagine the pastoral care and the elders want you to come forward because we want to unlock that in you. We want to unlock that gifting in you so that you can step into what God has called you into. It doesn't matter if you're 14, 40, or 140. You know, it, it, the call on your life is a call on your life. You don't retire, you just get retreated. So it's like, if you are in that place, then we want you to come down as well. We want to work through that. And, you know, there's also, yeah, if you don't know what God's talking about, oh, Oh, no, sorry. If you do know what I'm, if you don't know the God I'm talking about, then also come down. Like, we'd love you to meet that God, you know, the God who, who created heaven and earth, the God who, who saved me from certain death, you know, the God who, who can heal you, who can free you, who can give you, give you a, a peace that you can't imagine. If, if that's you today, then come down, and I'd love to personally share with you who this God is. And lastly, you know, if you've got healing, if you're sick, if you're, you know, if you've got things that, are, that need to be healed, come down. We are a church that believes in healing because we have people moving in their call, you know. And as these people move in their call, we're, we're believing in God to do His bit. And so that's why we say come down because this is a call that we have in our church and this is a call we want to move in. So that's why I said, hey, if you're sick, come down. I'll be at the front because... I want you to be healed. I want to see healing. I've yet to heal someone, but I believe in my heart that God will heal someone through my hands one day because that is the God we serve. We serve a God who is bigger than me. I know I can't heal you, but the God I serve can. So if that's you, please come down. Like We'd love to just explore. We'd love to journey, pray, talk, whatever it is. I'll be at the front, and I think we'd all love to just, just go on that journey with you because... My hope is that once you get this, once you get who Jesus is and how he wants to partner with us, that you'll be changed. You'll be changed in a way that you can't imagine, in a way that's just so freeing because finally your life will make sense. So thanks for listening to me, church. And 
I look forward to praying with you soon. Let's join together and, and sing. Don't miss your opportunity. Come on forward. So make me your vessel. Make me an offering. Make me whatever you want me to be.